0: I'm telling you the truth. I just sent I just sent Robbie to the kitchen to make sure time-wise, how much time they needed, and they said they needed an hour. So, so uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, I'm not going to tell you how much time they needed, but it was more than I thought they would. So that's awesome. Anyway, your Bible's open to the Gospel of John. God's good, isn't he? Don't you love the Fourth of July? It's awesome. Um. Two th- i got three little stories and then then we'll get into the t- text john john chapter eight here jesus talked about true freedom and then we're going to go back to galatians five hopefully time-wise maybe we'll uh, have time to do that john chapter eight and go ahead and turn to galatians five hopefully we'll have time to read this part of that again but i have so many fond memories i was just telling melissa jordan a while ago about this and and they know uh uh date Chaz and has family in Fairhope and and anyway I was born in Fairhope and so for years I spent my summers in Fairhope and so the 4th of July was a big deal and Melissa my parents lived I had one set of grandparents that lived on fails which was right across we lived on the corner so I would walk to the didn't know how good we had it and so anyway so we would for years we went to Fairhope for the 4th of July and you could we set on a hill an embankment overlooking the bay and and they would fire them off the end of the pier or near the end of the pier you know it was just incredible we did that year after year after year as a child so about two it might have been last year I got a I got a wild hair and I told Diane I said let's go down to Fairhope and go to the 4th and uh, to make a long story short I didn't realize in 30 or 40 and it's been a long time since I've been down there well for the 4th for the 4th it was it was so crowded two things were bad about that number one is you have to drive it number two we were driving diane's old uh convertible and it was hot and you had to have the top down you know because you're gonna eventually watch the watch the fireworks and but one of the i was telling melissa one of my i had two grandparents that lived in fairhope i'll make this quick two grandparents living in fairhope well i so i knew my way around you know and i said well we can go down this road and, and you couldn't drive down the road you you couldn't drive down the road i mean there were so many cars on the side of the road you could there were people everywhere so guess what i'm not going to go down on the tonight to fairhope and watch the fireworks on on the 4th of july so but uh and neither am i going to drive diane's uh convertible anymore so uh convertibles aren't built for me um several years ago mike what year was it where's mike cone did he leave county okay Well, I'll just tell this. We've had Mike serve. Was it Desert Storm when Mike went over? Uh, Freedom? Okay. Well, and this didn't happen on the 4th. One did, one didn't. But Mike, who you saw up here, Mike served and was stationed over there a year. I, I can't remember. All of it runs together. But Mike came back, and he was able to, he got it cleared. This is just so interesting. To think what our military men do because it's it's i have no idea i've never served i and and so what they do and and the threats they have but he brought back some footage and uh so on wednesday night he he brought the footage here on the dvd and and he was showing some of the things that they had to go through and some of their where they lived and you know how that every moment of every day they could have had mortars fired at them, and so they lived basically in, with sandbags all around them. And it was just, all that was so interesting. And even he showed one of the attacks on there. Remember this, Dale? So they showed these guys shot some mortars, and I forgot what the name of the camp—Camp camp Freedom or okay, top secret. He had to kill me. Okay, so we don't so we don't know the name of the place. So it's yeah. So it was Camp Victor, Camp Freedom. So it showed these guys shooting mortars into our camp and then they hopped on a little motorcycle and and rode off and they didn't get away. I'll just tell you the rest of the story. That's the end of the story. They didn't get away and Mike's got a recording. It was so interesting. They thought they got away with something and about two minutes later they're back at their house thinking they've done something and we did something. You know, but it was t- tell me how much, how, how much is involved in, in uh, what our military does because it's foreign to me. So I'm grateful for the sacrifices, the living sacrifices, but also for those that have passed. Then one thing we did years ago, this was on the 4th, or when we celebrated the 4th, and very few of you may remember this, but um, hold on. I'm trying to think of their names. Thank you. Bonnie thank you we had this at that time uh, mr. McLeod wasn't even saved so he was serving over there in he was in Iraq somewhere he'd been there a long time and he had two children well they went to church here and it it, it was on the fourth or near the fourth we celebrated a service like this but somehow or another we were able to during the service and they the kids didn't know we were gonna do this we beamed in to their dad online and so all of a sudden we're here in the service and all of a sudden gary mcleod's face pops up on all of our screens and there, and here are the kids in here and they get to a matter of fact he led us in the pledge from from oh i don't know where he was in iraq somewhere he led us in the pledge didn't that also but anyway of course you can imagine how emotional it was for the kids because eventually they had to say goodbye and that was gut-wrenching in itself but but again, that's, a, that's just a picture of, of what our, our military do in giving and sacrificing for, for our freedoms. That's why we believe, and even as a Christian, you believe in a strong military. That's biblical, amen? It deters evil. The Bible tells us that. Uh, swift punishment uh, will handle evil. It's supposed to. So, so that's, that's enough of that. Let's, let's go to John chapter 8 and talk about something even more important. I I can get stirred up. The older I get, the more patriotic I am. Am I right? Those of you feel the same way? You know, when I was in my 30s, I'm grateful to have lived in America, but I didn't appreciate my freedoms like I do now. Maybe that part of it is I think they're being taken away, but at 60 years of age, I mean, the the patriotism part of me, I pay much more attention to that, and I, I can get fired up about it. And you know, preach politics if you wanted to, just so it means something. But it pales in comparison. Folks, I want you to listen to me. We're not the only nation on the face of the earth. And I would dare be able to say that God is blessing other nations much more than he's blessing America. And if you read Romans 1, you could almost say that maybe... God is rendering his judgment on America right now based on Romans chapter 1. But as individual Christians, there's as wonderful as our nation is, as wonderful as it is to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, it pales in comparison to what Christ has done for me and you. Amen? You're talking about the eternal, righteous, holy, holy other God becoming a man to become one of us so he could redeem us from our sins. So it's it's the righteous saving the unrighteous. And folks, we're just not unrighteous for a few days. We're unrighteous every day of our lives. But he came to redeem us and set us free. Can you imagine? I think about people who don't believe in eternal security. Let me just say something about that. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. Or you may even say, we Baptists have always said, once saved, always saved. uh, Or, you know, we don't believe you can fall from grace. All those things are synonymous. We don't believe you can fall from grace. Perseverance of the saints, once saved, always saved. Now, the scourge on on us as Baptists is there's so many people that have claimed the name of Jesus that aren't really saved. You with me? There's so many people that claim to be saved that there aren't, and they don't live for Christ. And so it's kind of a mockery of what it means to be a Christian. And so people say, well, you know, if they're a Christian, you know, so they just believe you can get saved and live like hell. Honestly, there's people that believe that. But that means they weren't saved because they haven't been regenerated from the inside out. But because we believe in eternal security, that means every moment of every day, even when we sin, we've been set free from the punishment of sin and death. Isn't that awesome? Every moment. So we have been set free. And this is what Jesus is talking about in uh, John chapter 8. And, and just for the sake of time, I'm going to... I'm not going to... I just want to share some thoughts with you after I read this. I, I'm not necessarily going to preach just I want to share some thoughts with you. So this is in John chapter 8. And... Uh, Look at verse twenty nine. Uh he just mentions that uh and he who sent me uh and he who sent me is is with me, talking about him the father, and uh, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him, his relationship with the Father. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So he was speaking about his relationship, salvation and his relationship with the Father. That word believe is is an interesting word, okay? They believed. Um, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him. That's referring to the verse right before that. So they hearing him... So, so some of the... And when any time it says the Jews... Um, we know this from reading the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts for several months. Any time in the book of Acts it said the Jews would chase down Paul, it wasn't good. The Jews were, was a term to describe the persecutors of the early church. Here the Jews meant the religious leaders of Judaism or of the, or Judaism, and they hated Christ. So it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in, and he says it to us 2,000 years later. Okay, it's very important that you understand this. And I don't want to bring us down on such a great exciting holiday and the day of celebration. But the fact is, uh, John said it like this, John 2, 19. John says, "In when he this is his gospel. When he wrote his epistle, he says they went out from us." 1 John two, I think it's eighteen and nineteen. John says they went out from us. He's talking about the church. They went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have stayed with us, folks. Says, you can, folks. I could tell you I'm a I'm a distance runner, but that doesn't make it so. If I say just because I say it, right? The fact is, I couldn't run from here to the kitchen. Now, if you consider that a distance runner, great. But my point is, we can say anything. We live in a world where, where there are so many unbelievers who, who are religious, but they're unsaved. They've never been set free by the power of Christ. They've never been born again. They've never been transformed. And some of you are in here. It's true for every Sunday we worship. There are people here you're religious, but you're not born again. There's a massive difference. You've never been set free by the power of God's grace. And I hate that. But if you're here today, and that is you, the longer you wait, the harder your heart gets. It's just incredible. Let's read on. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Folks, let's just say you decided you're going to make a commitment. We're going to make a commitment. We're going to spend spend 50% of the time that we spend on our phones studying God's word or thinking about God's word. Just half of it. So we're going to calculate that we spend three hours a day on our mobile phone. Now, I'm not talking about just talking. I'm talking about peddling around Facebook, all that stuff. We're going to take, we're going to, so what I'm saying is it would be a vast amount of time that you would commit to God's word. But yet, the only way you're really set free as a believer is to know God's truth. You know God's answer for everything. You have his truth for everything because you know his truth. So Jesus says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, because he knows they believed in him, not for salvation, just for curiosity. That's where Jesus is going. They answered him, we are are the offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anybody. Now, do you find that not odd when saying that? That's not just odd. What is it? It's a lie. Because guess who's ruling them at the moment they say that? Rome. They're in indigenous servants. Basically Rome rules the world. They've been conquered by Rome. So when he says we've never, we are the offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Well they're enslaved to Rome. And so they said to Jesus, how is it that you say you will become free? Of course they're different in physical bondage and spiritual bondage. See that's Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices... See, now Jesus will clarify. So they won't talk about physical bondage. Jesus is talking about spiritual bondage, okay? Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, I will tell you, we don't go there, but the book, again, the book of 1 John is very important with this doctrine because it reminds us that there's a difference between when, you, when you're known to be living in sin and then being tempted by sin. There's a vast difference. Those that are saved, the Bible says, we are tempted by sin and we battle with sin. We do not live in sin. Unsaved people who are not free in Jesus live in sin. Let me say that again. People that are not free in Jesus have never been saved. They live in sin. That's what Jesus. He's telling these religious people that they're really not saved. They haven't come to saving faith in Him. The slave does not remain. And then He mentions something about this, the owner of the house. And, and of course, Abraham. They mentioned Abraham, so Jesus picks up on that. So that's the explanation. So, so truly I say to you, who everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the Bible says we're supposed to be slaves of Christ, not just servants of Christ. We're supposed to be do loss. We're supposed to be slaves of Jesus. No one can have two masters. Jesus said that, servant of the mount. Either you'll serve the one and bail out on the other, or you'll be loyal to one and unloyal to the other. You can't have two masters. So today in this room, either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Either you've been set free through the new birth, and the power of the gospel, or you haven't. So, folks, I'm telling you, as important as your your freedom is at living in a free nation, that's important. But it is it is insignificant compared to the freedom you have in Christ. We're talking about we've been our nation has existed for 245 years. Nothing's nothing's survived this long uh, in our source of government. Never 245 years you're talking about eternity, living free in Christ and having eternal life because of that. Let me read on. So it says, so the slave, so he said, so Jesus, the slave does not remain in the house. Now, remember, they mentioned Abraham. And if you remember the promise of Abraham, so it's just where biblical, knowing a little bit of the Old Testament, then you don't, you think, what, what does that mean? Well, they, there was Isaac and there was Ishmael, right? Right? And, the, Ishmael was born first, right? You with me? Shake your head like this, okay? Ishmael was born first. She told me, "I'm still not over time. I know when they need me to finish." Okay, lunch it known yet, so don't worry. Just relax. We'll stop in time. So, so Ishmael was born first, but see, that's where they got they they got uh, impatient with God's plan, and so Sarah let. Um, Abraham go into, as the Bible says, Hagar the slave. And so, this, so Ishmael was the slave, Isaac's the son. So this is the whole point. It says the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. They sent Hagar and Ishmael away, right? And, of course, that's, that's the root. It's not the only part, but it's the root of the Middle East struggles to this day. They still argue over who's the true son of Abraham. I, that's no that's, that's part of the root of all what goes on in the Middle East. But so so that you see why Jesus, and he's talking to Jews, they understood what he was saying. They knew they knew the context. Keep, keep reading, and then we're gonna just mention a couple of things. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So so he's saying you're not true sons. Okay. He says, so if the son sets you free, You will be free indeed. Now he's referring to himself as the son that stays forever. And they're not. And I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, now that gets kind of insulting now. He's challenged them. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham, that you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your fa- what your father did. They said to him, now see they're going to get personal, we were not born of sexual immorality. That's just not open there. There's a context to that. You know what they're accusing Jesus of? illegitimate son, right? Because of the virgin birth, okay? So they're, now they're going to they're, they're insult him because he's challenged their hearts. You, so, so we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father. Even God, Jesus, said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am, I am here. I came not of my own accord... But he sent me. Why do you not understand that I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Then he says, now you think they go from believing. It says they believed in verse 30, you know, 29, 30, and 31. And here's what Jesus says to them. You are of your father the devil. Now, can I ask you, were they saved? No. Because their father was and is still is the devil. You're of your father the devil, And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a... Because they sought to kill Jesus. And he's saying, If you knew me as Savior, you wouldn't be... So he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because uh, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we know two things about the devil. He's a murderer and he's a liar. And he's our adversary. And so... Jesus it confronts these Jewish people who believe and tells them that if you really knew the truth, the truth would set you free. Now, I, I wrote down, I did a little acrostic. And time will allow me to go through this acrostic. And I just want to share um, I, I, how it is that we're set free. How is it that I've been, you, me, anybody, is set free in Christ? How is that? So, I did a little acrostic with the words "set free," and uh, so that I so it's going to be you know it's almost spelled "set free." S E. Okay, just hang in there with me. <laughs> yeah, I may have somebody come here and do the letters for me, but okay. S. Now, just so this is talking about freedom in Christ. You know, Jesus said before I do this, I did a thing online Wednesday. Or Friday, I can't remember which one I did, the mind. But, because I I did a thing out of uh, um, Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God. Now, let me say this, where it says put on the whole armor of God, but it says put on the helmet of salvation, okay? Put on the helmet of salvation. And then it ties into the God's word, you know? Uh, and take the sword of the Spirit. Take, put the helmet of salvation on and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I said, I mentioned, could you imagine being a soldier in an army and in your, in your head being unprotected? Now, now just hang in there with me. If you're here today and you're not committed to God's Word, to His truth, you're in the midst of a battle and your head's unprotected. Because the head, that's referring to your mind know, And and so no if you're here and you know for sure you're saved and born again, but you're not you're not committed to the truth of God's word, you're in the midst of a battle and your head's unprotected. What's going to hold your mind is going to be God's truth. And and so these things matter. This having knowing the truth and that truth setting you free, it's because you know the truth. You know God's answer to these issues that we face. S is for satisfaction. That Jesus satisfied the sin debt. I won't go into all about substitutionary atonement, and but He's our He's our mercy seat. All those things are true. He's our ark of the covenant. He's everything. He satisfied the sin debt. He became sin. 2 Corinthians five twenty one is the awesome verse for that. He made him He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's the message. So Jesus Christ, you're free. S set, for set is he satisfied sin debt. You're in debt. We owe God the wages of sin is death. So the ultimate payment we eventually have to pay if we're unsaved is that our lives and Jesus paid his so we don't have to. So S is satisfied the sin debt. Number two is we prove is, is E set. S E is for enduring faith. And again, we're doing a little theology, but we prove that we've been set free because we have enduring faith. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today, but I, I've, I've been in the ministry long enough and have seen enough. I'm not a you know I'm not like I'm 80 years old and I know everything and I've seen everything, but I've watched so many people fall in love with Jesus for about two months or two years or six weeks, or they fired up for Jesus for for. A, 2 or 3 months and then they just bail out. Well the Bible hasn't an, has has an answer for that. That's not enduring faith. Saved people endure with faith. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So when we talk and so they have so people that aren't enduring, they can't feel freedom in Christ. They should feel conviction and condemnation because they're not they're not obedient to scripture when it comes to so satisfied sin debt S E is for enduring faith T and I love what James says. Is T is for the truth has been implanted. God's word, when you're saved in the regeneration, God plants his word through the work of the spirit in your heart. Paul, James says, receive with meekness the implanted word. So somehow at salvation, God makes you able to believe and understand his truth. Receive with meekness the implanted word. James says, and he says, which is able to save your soul. That's James 1, 21. So set is S, sat, that Jesus satisfied our sin debt. E is that believers have enduring faith. And T is the truth of God has been implanted. And I think that's one reason why Jesus is saying in the context, you shall know the truth, which is him, and the truth will make you free, right? He is the word, right? So the truth and the word implanted is really about him. So God's word is about Christ. And so we're so that's for set. Free, number one, just to think about the thing as we, we experience the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, in salvation, those of us that have been set free, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, Galatians 5. Um, the fruit is singular, but it has many colors or tastes. The fruit of the Spirit, One, it's one Holy Spirit but it has several manifestation, and this is if you read Galatians five, I think it's verse twenty two, maybe verse 25. It doesn't matter. In there somewhere, it says the fruit of the spirit is. It's a present tense, it means that every believer who has it has this. So if you're saved, you have this. The fruit of the spirit is. So when we think about set, okay, set, S E T, free, F is for fruit of the spirit. Those of us that know Christ have the fruit. Of the Spirit. F is for fruit. R now I'm spelling free. I know this is confusing. R is for the righteousness of God that's been imputed to us. Galatians five twenty one. I'm sorry. Romans five twenty one says. He says so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. His righteousness has been imputed to us. So in freedom, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but R is for His righteousness has been imputed to us. Folks, this is why the Bible says you and I grow in righteousness. Uh, As believers, we grow and we're rewarded for righteousness' sake. So F is for fruit, R is for righteousness, E is for equipped for service. If you have your Bibles, we'll go to one verse. I want you to go to uh, Ephesians. Go to Ephesians real quick. Time-wise, this will be the only verse we can look at. Go to Ephesians 4. So people that are saved bear the fruits of the Spirit. The righteousness of God has been imputed to them. And E, they are equipped... To serve in the local church. Do you hear that? They are equipped to serve in the local church. You cannot separate. Again, I, I'll say this. And I know you expect me to say it because I'm a preacher of a church. You cannot, you, you biblically, you cannot separate the church from your Christian life. It is impossible to separate. Why would, why would the New Testament mention church 117 times? most of those are dealing with a church just like this a local church few of those are talking about the corporate church everybody who's ever been saved there's about you know eight or nine ten of those most of them are about the local church the local body of baptized believers and when folks when folks have been set free part of that freedom is being equipped to serve the local church all your rewards come that way i mean when you're reading the new testament this is how God rewards the saints: is through the work in the local church. Um, look at, look at um, Well, I, I'm in chapter four. Look at verse. Uh, look at verse eleven. Uh, y'all know these verses, uh, Ephesians four eleven. And this is why, for those who have been coming here, you know, we've been talking about the nominating process, and everybody in here needs to be serving the body. Somewhere, and he gave, verse 11, chapter 4, and he gave the the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, verse 12, why did he give them? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Why did God call, why do you have a preacher? Well, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Drop down. In chapter four, go down to verse. Uh, look at verse sixteen. It says, "From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped." Let me read that again. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So somehow or another in God's amazing grace and sovereign power, when the, when, the, when all of us are respond to God's gifting to us and we commit ourselves to the work of the local church, God grows the body, and it just doesn't mean numerically, it's spiritual growth, but he grows the body so that the body grows itself in love. Folks, if we're not being equipped to work in the local church, we're missing such a large part of what it means to be a believer. And if you don't love the church, how can Jesus be your Savior? I'll just say that. You can quote me on that. If you don't love the church, how can Jesus be your Savior? Because you know what he calls the church? His own bride. He does that in in the next couple of chapters in Ephesians. So, well, let's finish. It's time to eat. So, F is for fruit, free. R is for righteous and imputed. E is for equipped for service. And the last E would be, we exhort one another. Uh, About 21 times in uh, the epistles, God tells us to take God's word and do it to one another. This is another reason why you need the church. He says about twenty. he does the one another's. You can do this for yourself. You can go and find your concordance and do the one another's. But about 20, 21 times in church life, it says do this to one another. So we exhort one another in the faith. Now, I lied to you, but it's a good lie. I, I, I want you to go one more verse, and I promise you I'll close after this. Go to Hebrews, Hebrews. Hebrews ten, and we'll finish here, okay? And we'll say the blessing, and I'll give you directions. The main direction is let me go first. (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. Look at so we think about exhorting one another. Uh, Look at verse verse Hebrews ten, verse twenty three. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen. He's faithful. Every promise. I love Paul says he's the amen. Everything. He's yes and amen. And let us, verse 24, consider how to stir up one another to love and good work. So one of the one another's is we, we consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25. Not, and here's one way you do it. How, how is that going to happen? Look at verse 25. How is it going to happen? In church. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, just because you don't go to church doesn't mean you're not saved. But you're missing out on what it means to be a believer, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I take that to be prophetic. So there's for those of us that see the signs of the times that Jesus could rapture his church right now and the tribulation would follow soon thereafter. We believe that. So then church life should be much more important. So we do this as we, much more so as we see the day approaching. The church should be the most important thing in your life other than your family. This should be, the church should be your life. This is where we do these things for and to one another. Amen? So set free. Now, does anybody have direction? Anybody come in from the fellowship area? No? Okay. All right. Let's stand together. I know it's time. What we're going to do, let's let, we're going to let two groups of people go first. got plenty of food. No way have to worry. If you have children or you're a senior adult, we want you to go first, okay? If you have children, I mean, as in little children. I have children, but okay. Uh, So if you have children, little children, we want you to go ahead. Some of you may even have to go to the nursery and, and get your child, but we want you to go to the front line. And also, if you're a senior adult, we want you to go, okay? We want you to go first, okay? And hang around for a while in fellowship with us, okay? And I hope you have a great 4th of July. It's going to be awesome. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we're grateful for the day, what the day means to us as citizens. We are Christian citizens. And we're grateful for the history, uh, the truth about our beginnings. And, and Lord, those that have given, uh, given their lives to keep, keep us free. And Lord, we're, we're blessed by that. We're, we're honored to be here. But, Lord, even above that and so much greater is what Christ has not only done, but still, still does as he is in, at the right hand of the Father ever interceding for us. Thank you for the death of Christ. Thank you for salvation. Lord, thank you for the work of the church that displays to the world who Jesus really is. Now, Lord, as we sit around the table, thank you for the hands that did the food, prepared it, Set the tables. Bless the time of fellowship. Bless every family here. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry. Oh.